you know, if you're thinking about love and relationships specifically, what you think you deserve or what you think you're worth, the universe is going to manifest for you. The universe is going to bring into your life. So the more you up-level your worthiness or your deserving power, the more you're going to align yourself to the person or the relationships that you want to co-create with in your life. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's two sides of the same coin. If you don't think that self-worth has anything to do with love and you think that you're going to find love, you're going to find a partner and he's going to be, or she is going to be the solution to all of your problems. Then immediately what you're saying is, is I don't believe that I can solve my problems on my own. I don't believe that I'm worthy of someone who is whole and, and comes to, me from a place of you know inner fulfillment that's what you're saying and so you're going to get that partner in turn you know life gives you two choices when it throws everything at you you can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons and as the old saying goes you turn it into sweet delicious lemonade And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Hey guys, so this is a new thing I'll be doing every four weeks where I'll be picking the brain of my life slash biz coach slash amazing friend, Monique Barry. Um, She has helped me so much over the last Oh my gosh, it's been nearly three years. Um, with all I know, with all of my meltdowns and everything in between and helping, I don't know, glue me back together, I would say. So I thought it would only be fair that I impart her wisdom onto the world. No pressure because here she no is pressure. right now. And um, please prove how brilliant you are in the next 10 seconds. Go. <laughs> I'm just going to start stuttering. <laughs> They'll be like, who is this idiot on her podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being here. Beautiful soul. I'm so excited for these chats. Um, I feel like this is I just thought- another normal conversation we're going to have. That's what we're trying to tell ourselves because we think our conversations are really epic. Um, but now that we're being recorded, we're a bit nervous, but that's okay. We're going we're gonna to push through this. Um, yeah. So Monique, could you just tell me a little bit, well, before we do that, I think it's really worth it mentioning how we met because okay. it is a little bit unconventional. Yeah. So wanna, shall I just what? talk from my point? You start because you reached out to me. It was you I that did. was just me down. <laughs> <laughs> I stalked you. I don't know actually how I saw you, but I saw I saw one of your posts you'd done and I had recently become a single mum myself and I was also just starting to coach. And so I think I sent you a message to say how much I resonated with your blog post and that I needed people to help me basically learn how to become a coach. So you really got me at the very, very beginnings, which was goodness me, you yeah, over three years ago. Thing. I know. And it yeah. was in the depths. It was like at the very start of your separation. Goodness me. I was like, what the fuck have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah. You're like, if this is live coaching, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Um, and you kind of replied and you said, I don't know how it's going to work. And I was like, look, everything's done online and just, let's just see how it goes. And one thing led to another and it's been 
three years, three and a half. I think it's almost three, three years. years. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it would have been 2017 around like, Oh yeah. Two and a half years. August, September. Yes. Anyway. I know, which is crazy. Um, so we, a lot of the jokes we make is that we haven't, um, just so you all know, we haven't never met in real life. <laughs> so we always say that there's a very strong chance that one of us is catfishing the other. Um, I feel like and you're more likely to catfish me than I am. I feel like it's the other way around, like taking advantage of a vulnerable, heartbroken woman. Yeah. But like <laughs> Ollie, Ollie's not actually her son. Ollie is her friend Karen's son. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Maggie, is, Maggie, Maggie's not Maggie, a dog. Maggie's my dog, by the way. So that's what she's talking about there. Um, anyway, so now we've got that out of the way that we, we, now you'll all know that if it comes out that one of us is catfishing the other, at least there's proof here that we yeah. suspected it. Um, so I wanted to start with getting you to tell us a little bit about yourself. But firstly, mm. I think that'd be great if you could tell us a bit about the epic retreat that you were just on because oh, yeah. I, if any of you are following Lonnie, it was just unbelievable every day looked like something that was mind-blowing it really was um well I recently got back from a four-week trip in India and it was so amazing I actually went for a meditation retreat and I practiced Vedic meditation which I'm sure I'll talk about at some point because you literally just cannot get me to shut the fuck up about it it's true am I allowed to swear on here (laughs) you are (laughs) I'll try not to but it was just like, no, it, it was, um, it was really amazing. Um, I was with, um, basically the master of our, the head of our, of our technique and that's Tom Knowles. And it was just 10 days of like deep knowledge and really psycho spiritual experiences. And, you know, I always thought I was a nature lover before. I always thought I was really living in reverence with nature until you go to India and you get to understand literally how they worship things like, you know, the river Ganga and she's the mother of all and she's the life giver and she's really, and so it, you know, it just really slaps you in the face as to what you think your reality is here in the Western world when Mm, over there, it's just completely different. So it really was like a a transformative experience and we'd sit for four to six hours each day having discourse or knowledge um you know knowledge sessions Mm -hmm. with our teacher and he is just he really just does open your mind and expand expand your being really it was it was amazing that sounds so amazing and we are going to extract all that goodness from you I think well I'm going to try my best to at least (laughs) um now would you mind just telling me a bit about yourself how you got to where you are sitting right now uh oh my god loaded question where do I start you know yeah, my just where yeah, I was just, born. <laughs> I was maybe just like <laughs> no, maybe just like you know, coaching and you know oh, yeah, your okay. job right now and your family right. life and things like that. All right. Well, I have been coaching, well, obviously for like nearly three years now. Um, But before that, I was actually in finance and I was an accountant, which is all very boring. And my spiritual experience really started when I gave birth to my son, and I had this. um I had this really out of body experience, which I'd never had before. And I, I basically started to spend my days trying to figure out what it was that I had experienced. It was just a profound, um, deep 
understanding belief in myself, like a, a knowledge that I could do anything in that moment, that I was everything, you know, the, I, I sort of merged with the room around me and the whole experience just became one big thing. So I started to spend my days really, I don't know, exploring that and that led me down the spiritual path. And then I got into coaching because I wanted people to have the same experience that I wanted to have. And I felt like I had a lot to share in terms of my business career and also my personal growth, you know, I had a really tough childhood and I used to think that was a real disadvantage for me, but now I'm really seeing what an advantage it was to have such a difficult relationship with my parents. You know, my dad was abusive and an alcoholic and uh, we grew up really, really poor and I used to just feel so sorry for myself, but now I can really understand how it's made me really strong, independent, really resilient and to be honest, such a great mother. Um, I was married to my high school sweetheart, but we separated not long after I met you and we are on a co-parenting journey together. In fact, we live together at the moment, which is, um, as flatmates, you know, which a lot Mm -hmm. of people have a hard time to wrap their heads around, but to us, our relationship, our friendship with each other and our relationship with our son is one of the most important things um, in our lives. So yeah, so my life is pretty much about co-parenting, really passionate about helping people in business and life really um, have that experience of being their best selves and putting their best foot forward and traveling really. Meditation, obviously. Were you always in, did you always have that sense of spirituality about you? I think there were elements of me that always did you know I've always had crystals around me since I was very very little I've always been into astrology I used to I used to literally think I could control nature I would stand outside and I would just like stand in the wind or stand in the rain and I would really like feel it so there's always a part of me that was curious but as you get older that sort of stuff fades away as it becomes you know, like dreamy and idealistic and ro- you know, sort of romanticized. It gets stamped out of it us. It does too, get I stamped think. out, yeah. yeah. And all really that other sad. stuff, yeah, all that other stuff gets driven in, you know, success and achievement and mm. materialism and all that sort of shit. So. Yeah. And um, what, why, you know, through everything you've been through and what you're doing now, why has it been so important for you to want to help other people, in particular women? Because why not? I mean... When there's so many, when there's so many ideas and notions and beliefs out there contributing to a lesser way of being, which is what I experienced all of my life, you know, um, people pushing me down or society bringing me down or me feeling ridiculous and stupid for wanting to be, bring out of me this person that I really wanted to be. Why not be someone on the other side of the fence? Why not be an exemplar? Why not be proof of what's possible? Why not want to have other people have the same experience that I've experienced in my life? I don't know. It's no brainer to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as someone that has worked with you for the last, yeah, God, nearly three years, I can't. Worst three years um, of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just about to say something really nice and now I'm going to take that back. Actually, no, I'm going to be the biggest person. Um, you know, it has profoundly changed my life and there are that many times that you have answered some very distressing calls or just oh opened your messages to complete and utter meltdowns. 
Um, but you know, and you've, you've helped me through that so many times, but you know, on the other hand, I've also shared with you my wins and things that have gone really well. And equally you've been just as supportive and given me such amazing advice, which I, oh my gosh, oh my God, I don't know how you've done it, to be honest. I'm not doing anything. That's the thing is I'm not doing anything. Oh, I feel like you definitely are. You're far too, you're far too kind because yes, there's been some holes you've dug me out of. Um, but, uh, no, I, yeah, I can definitely say that, you know, it's been life changing for me. So I can't imagine how many other women and men as well that you've really, really helped. And, um, what an incredible mum you are to your little boy Bowden. And he's so lucky to have you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, he is. And that's enough for me being nice to you. Um, <laughs> so now, now we know. Now makes awful. Yeah. So now we know a little bit about you um, and a bit about your story and about it, your journey, which I'm sure as we do these episodes, you know, more and more will come out about the both of us and, um, you know, we'll be able to relate to certain topics. But um, for our very first Juicy Juice episode, it's not called Juicy Juice, very, very first Juice episode, <laughs> I wanted to chat about love which is you know what it means why we want it how it eludes us why it hurts us and what it teaches us and I feel like that's the very best place for us to start because essentially that's where our journey began because I was absolutely brokenhearted like when I say brokenhearted I mean wasn't in two pieces it was in a million pieces on the floor and it was a very tedious journey gluing those little pieces back together and trying to make that a little bit stronger every time but sometimes it would break again so I thought that would be a really good place to start um Mm. so I thought wanted to ask you as a life coach what are some of the themes you notice? Because I'm sure I'm not the only brokenhearted woman that's come, come to you. What are some of the themes you notice when women do come to you and discuss love and relationships? Uh, how much they invest into their love and relationships and how much they make their relationships mean about them as a person. And so when the relationship goes away, suddenly their sense of self or their sense of identity, their sense of just everything that they've told themselves to be true Mm. about themselves is gone. And, you know, when people say they're brokenhearted, like I have to say, you're not brokenhearted because your heart is always whole. Your being is always whole. Your consciousness is always whole. What's broken is the illusion that you've created yourself about the story you've told yourself about your relationship and what it means to you. What's broken is this fantasy and the expectation that your relationship was going to go a particular way or in a particular trajectory Mm -hmm. and it doesn't that's what's broken but it feels very physical and tangible we feel it in our bodies because of of course our emotions are the way that our um you know soul or higher self or consciousness communicates with us on a visceral level so we sort of link the two together but your, your your heart is always whole it's your it's the story that's broken and that's something that you've really helped me with as well is, is exactly what you said. It's that story. It's that white picket fence mentality. Mm-hmm. It's that illusion that we put ourselves under that we think that our life is heading a certain way. And it takes people like yourself and our friends to go, that wasn't the way it was going. That's not, yeah. that's not the reality. Why do you think, I guess, as women that we do, I I, men would probably do it as well, but why do we, I guess, convince ourselves of these stories and convince ourselves it's going a certain way when the reality is so starkly different? 
I mean, there's like a multitude of things that contribute to that. One is, you know, social hypnosis about what relationships should look like. We should find the one and settle down and live happily ever after. You know, that's what we're told is a successful relationship. One person for the rest of our lives, 2.5 children and a white picket fence, which is what we're talking about. White picket fence, (laughs) white picket fence, family, you know, there's always, always this fantasy that we create in our head about what a healthy, loving relationship that makes us, that completes us looks like um so that's one reason why we struggle with you know that sort of part of thing is that's what we think is true um Mm. but the other thing is also just not knowing ourselves on a deep level and wrapping our identity up in something outside of ourselves when you know just i think those are the two most Absolutely. Yeah. And what you said just then, and that was a really big thing for me to unpick. Um, I don't know if you know, you found that in your other clients as well. Is that everybody? Yeah. <laughs> including, okay, myself, good. <laughs> including myself, yeah. you know, like I had to unwrap these things for myself as well. When my marriage didn't turn out the way that I had, you know, here's my high school sweetheart and we've been together since we were 14 and everything tick, 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 like all our boxes yeah. were checking off. So yeah. And it's that unpicking of, I guess, you know, I'd been with my ex-fiance since we were 23 and I think we broke up when I was oh, 22 and I was mm. just shy of turning 27. And that's a big chunk of that, those 20s. Yeah. Which is, you know, I know you were with your ex for a lot longer, but that chunk of your 20s is really a sense of self-discovery. So I remember everything that I thought about myself was intrinsically wrapped in what he thought of me or what mm-hmm. we collectively thought going forward. Yeah. And I, I always try and look at everything as it all is happening for a reason and change my thinking from why is this happening to what is this teaching me? And very early on, it became really apparent for me that it was teaching me to stand on my own two feet finally, because I'd never done that. I never had an opportunity to to have done that. I always had relationships um, with this one being the most significant. And it was all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with an eight month old baby and the universe is like, well, who are you? And, and you're I like, had what no, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck has just happened? I had no answer for who I am because who I am, who am I if I am not my ex's fiance? Yeah. Planning or a wedding, even, having even his if baby. they're not here to make me feel good or tell me that Absolutely. I'm doing good or tell me that I'm beautiful. Like who's going to, who's going to do these things for me that I can't do for myself. And the horrible thing is he wasn't even really doing that by the end, you know? I don't know where I was sick, so my self-worth was so low because mm. I wasn't really getting it from him anymore. And, well, you were still you know, getting it from him, but not in the way that you wanted it to be communicated. You were still getting your – he was reporting back to you a reflection of your self-worth at that point in time. And so you were so still true. getting yep. what you needed from him, but just it wasn't, again, that romantic, you're so beautiful, you're wonderful. No. It was the opposite. No, but you were so reflection- ready to believe it. Absolutely. And any little, you know, I'm sure a lot of women can identify with this, any little kind of breadcrumb of, of affection or kindness, you would create a whole loaf out of, oh my <laughs> excuse God. the analogy, yes. but you know, you would make a whole meal out of something um, to, because you wanted to believe the story that you told you. I told myself so much, um, but yeah, that was a really big thing of us is unpicking um, that. And I think I've got to say that, you know, what has it been? Two and a half years of us working, of us broken up. So it must be two years about we've worked together, over two years. And I'll still struggle with that. You know, I'll still come to you and say a story and you'll be like, no, but 
(laughs) this is a reality. And what you said before was really true too, that it is a mirror back to ourselves. And when I think back to, you know, the, the last final few months of our relationship, the reflection back to me was who are you and where is your self-worth and what have you become? Like and if he said even... that stuff to you now, what would you say? I would just, oh gosh, I can't even imagine. I just have such a, I would, I mean, that's such a good question. I think I would just, I'd know so much who I was and, yeah. you know, I'd be able to walk away if he's doing something that annoys me now and I don't seek it from that one source anymore. So it just wouldn't even be something that I would be, trying to achieve from him does that make sense yeah it makes sense I mean what we want you know two things really what we want is we want compliments and we want affirmations from our partners to be the icing on the cake we don't want that to be the cake we Mm. don't want that to be all of the ingredients and the cake that we consume we want it to be the icing on the cake that we've created ourselves and the other thing that I get not frustrated by but I wish women knew was I just wish women would understand like how freaking amazing we are, like how powerful and how beautiful and how fierce that we can be. I mean, whether it be in motherhood, whether it be in caring for others. And I mean, motherhood doesn't mean giving birth to a child. That certainly is the most, you know, tangible experience that we have of, of mothering, but it can be in how we care for other people. It can be in, we can do all these things for all these other people and yet somehow we fall short of Mm. being able to do that for ourselves. We can lift our friends up. How do we lift ourselves up? We can give our children and the people that we're caring for love, but how do we give ourselves love? You know, we support and, and um, you know, are the biggest cheerleaders for our partners and our family members, but how are we doing that for ourselves? And it's so, so fucking bullshit. Like, Mm. uh, Mm. why I, I, I always think about that, you know, why I guess the, what we're discussing, now these issues of self-worth isn't limited to I don't know you and your group of friends it is kind of like this endemic this problem all over the western world where women just have such a low view of their self-worth and where they fit in where does this come from why do we why do we feel like that I mean, we want to get in the habit of not saying something's a problem. We want to say that that's something that people are experiencing in their consciousness right now. Um, Mm. Because if we're saying something's a problem, then it continues to become and be a problem. But where is it coming from? It's just coming from, you know, years and years and years of women's experiences being minimized, you know. Um, And it's, it's got to do with, I mean, this is my, this is my point of view on it is it's not got to do with men thinking they're better than us. It's got to do with men being insecure about who they are. So they need to make themselves better than us, which in turn minimizes us and our experience. And then that's been indoctrinated in us so, so long that we're really fighting, not just, you know, people are fighting for equal rights and I'm using quotation marks around the word fighting for equal female rights, but it's not just about how we are in the world. It's about how we feel and how we're seen and all of that sort of stuff about ourselves. So mm. that's my point of view anyway, is that yeah. it comes from no. men's insecurity. Well, what are some things that we can be doing then? Um, you know, I know very early on for me to build my self-worth, it was you. You were a massive part in helping me do that. And, and you say, you know, I did the work myself, but I guess guiding me, 
to know how to do that, if you know what I mean. Like I yeah. think if anyone's hit that kind of rock bottom, you don't even know where to start. So it can be so helpful having someone like you or a psychologist, a ther- a co- let me start that again, a psychologist or a therapist to, you know, help start that journey. And I know with me, you've then taught me to meditate and I say affirmations every morning. Um, and I've tried to really build that self up myself up by eating really well as well and exercising and taking care of myself. But what, you know, if there, is there anything else you would think would be helpful for other people to try if they are feeling that really, you know, like their self-worth is the width of a toothpick? I mean, recognizing that your self-worth is the width of a toothpick is a great start because we like to live in ignorance and pretend like everything's okay and I'm okay and it's okay and we're okay and it's all okay. So recognizing and being aware of actually like the truth of how you're feeling about yourself is really powerful. Now we don't want to dwell in it and start to, you know, drown ourselves in victim mentality, but we want to recognize it, bring it to our awareness and then accept that that's where we're at. Because once we can accept, and these are just all thoughts, this is just um, thinking, this isn't actually taking any action at this point. It's just Mm -hmm. bringing into our awareness what our true thoughts about ourselves and our experience in life is, and then accepting this is my starting point. And then once you can sort of stabilize or normalize that, and that becomes your, your, you know, starting point, then you can decide what the next step is for you. And the next step for you, for example, at that point where you're like, okay, I actually need some help or I actually Mm. have gotten so far on my own, what's next? That's when you can start to engage in getting someone who is at a more along the path than you are you you know they don't have to be an Mm, expert they just have to be someone 10 percent further ahead than you um it could be a friend it could be a mentor it could be someone that you employ for me knowledge is power so reading and podcasts and stuff like that has always been like a really affordable way for me to expand my own consciousness about and understanding about what's going on for me but that's i mean that's that's a really basic stuff. Yeah, but that's true actually, because for a lot of women and of course, single mums, they can, you know, it can be unaffordable. There's just no time. If you're having to work full time, Mm. you can't be taking that. You know, we always seem to put ourselves second. So that's a really good, good tip actually listening to podcasts or reading books and it's not about consuming information it's about knowledge it's about (laughs) knowledge to help you understand your experience better so like there's no awards for how many books you've read or how many podcasts you've listened to it's about you know being really intentional with what you're what you're allowing into your experience and then allowing that to expand your awareness of yourself I remember when very early on I had a psychologist as well and she suggested to me to join a whole lot of single mum groups on Facebook. So Mm. I just blindly did that. And um, (laughs) a lot of this, I think what that gave me is, as you said, a lot of the stories just didn't resonate with me at all. Mm. But what it gave me was real appreciation for how still, despite everything crumbling around me, how fortunate I still was because I still... Yeah, no, you know, I still had my health or I had, and I had my son's health and, um, you know, just, just in a myriad of different ways. Um, so, you know, not every, even though you might be suggested to listen things or read things and it might not be exactly what you're looking for. I think there's always a lesson to take out, even if it wasn't the intention that you're originally going for. Yeah. 100%. That makes sense. 
Yeah. I mean, you came upon that yeah. information for a reason. So yeah, absolutely. And it's always, yeah. And I've loved, you know, I still am in a lot of those groups and I love liking and celebrating when these single mums put these incredible wins they've had or how they've managed to, which is, you know, obviously this is what my podcast is all about is how people turn something negative into or something difficult into, you know, yeah. something that they're over, able to overcome. I feel like there could be people thinking right now that, well, weren't you two, I'm going to say, weren't you two bitches? Weren't you two, weren't you two <laughs> women supposed to be chatting about love and relationships? Oh, yes. But self-worth I mean, and everything we're discussing is the building block of falling in love of, and a healthy is. relationship, isn't it? It's two sides why, of the same you know, coin. Yeah. Why, why do you think that those two ideas are so linked? self-worth I mean we want to talk about deserving power what we think we deserve is linked to every single thing that we do in our lives so if we you know if you're thinking about love and relationships specifically what you think you deserve or what you think you're worth the universe is going to manifest for you the universe is going to bring into your life so the more you up level your worthiness or your deserving power the more you're going to align yourself to the person or the relationships that you want to co-create with in your life. So, I mean, it's, like I said, it's two sides of the same coin. If you don't think that self-worth has anything to do with love and you think that you're going to find love and you're going to find a partner and he's going to be, or she, is going to be the solution to all of your problems, then immediately what you're saying is, is I don't believe that I can solve my problems on my own. I don't believe that I'm worthy of someone who is whole and, and comes to me from a place of, you know, inner fulfillment. That's what you're saying. And so you're going to get that partner in turn, you know. Yeah, so so true. I remember as well, you very early on saying to me that so many women come out of bad relationships or any kind of relationship that might not have worked. And they say, and this has stuck with me of, you know, you've said a lot of things to me and this one has really <laughs> stuck to me um, that we, you know, so many women come out and say you had someone who was unaffectionate, for example. Mm-hmm. All I want in my next partner is to him, for him to be really affectionate. Affectionate, yeah. So and all we'll then, do is we continue to create relationships based on what the last relationship was lacking mm-hmm. And we just bounce from relationship to relationship, wondering why nothing's sticking and nothing's sticking is because you're not looking at the whole picture, firstly of yourself and what you want and need and desire from a partner. But, um, but also, yeah, so it's just, you, you just, yeah, on. it's back to that idea of us be attracting as well. And I, you know, just drawing on my experience, not, you know, a little while after my ex-fiance and I broke up, I then entered another relationship and he was wonderful and really, really, you know, was a wonderful person as I've told you all about um, and was incredible with helping me, you know, support me. But it also was a band-aid and it was also a mirror of just wanting a good guy to come in and make yeah. me feel better and save me. And that's exactly what I got. But it meant that I wasn't doing it myself. Someone else was doing it for me. Yeah. Um, and then we broke up and at the start of 2019 and I was like, great. And I've spoken this about this before, you know, woohoo, this is my time. Um, and it absolutely wasn't my time because I had not done any of the work myself. I'd relied on getting it from somebody else and so I right think back to square one really right back there and then it took all of 2019 of this you know going through 
feeling like I was wading through this sticky mud trying to learn who I was again and what I actually wanted and stand on my own two feet and also I guess work on myself and learn to love myself enough so that I became a mirror of what I wanted to attract and not even in terms of I'm only doing it so that I get a boyfriend. I mean, in every sense, in careers, in friendships, in opportunities, in travel, you know, if I am approaching all that from a place of lack or not thinking I'm good enough or not liking myself enough, that was what was, that was what was coming back to me in every facet the universe just broke everything down that I, I was just going to you know, say after that <laughs> happened after that relationship ended literally everything came <laughs> crumbling down like, and, yeah. you remember I'd be like I've just gone for this job no I've just you know this guy asked me out on a date that sounds really good <laughs> oh then the next day he told me he's already seeing someone sorry oh right okay oh then I went on a <laughs> when I went on that date with that guy that didn't know he was on a date with me <laughs> I still don't think he was on a date with you. I still think you were just two friends having it. Well, that's exactly right. But I thought we were on a date, but we were not on a date. And, you know, I'm laughing about my misery now, but it was just at the time, everything, there was a roadblock in everything I was trying to do. And it was because I was coming from a place of, you know, I just wanted a boyfriend to make it feel better. I just wanted this new job because that was going to make me feel better. You wanted the quick fix. Yeah, I wanted to go on this holiday even though I didn't have the money because that holiday was going to make me feel better. Um, and the universe kept being like, bitch, please, could you just sit the F down and learn to just chill out, like take a breather because nothing, this is all not coming from a place that is going to have any longevity or is for no. you right now. It's not um, sustainable. Me. No, it wasn't at all. And you know what? It was exhausting living like that yeah. too. Because you're always waiting for the next thing you need. Firstly, like when the thing does come in, that's going to make you temporarily happy. You're gripping onto Mm -hmm. it so tightly because you know it's going to leave or you're waiting for it to leave. And that's tiring in itself, like just actually holding onto something. And then when it's gone, you're you're, you're in such a state of stress because you're looking for the next thing urgently, like your next fix, if you want to call it that. You're looking for it urgently and that's stressful. So you're just in this constant state of cyclical stress that you're putting on your body because you can't just sit with it for five effing seconds and figure out what's going on with me here and what do I actually need underneath all this BS. And then when you, you know, we started. I just myself twice. Can we just like have a moment? I'm really proud of you. I'm very, very proud of you. And then that's what you made me do because then we were working together in 2017. I banned you from dating. You did. And 2018, I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, I don't need any help anymore. So we were still friends, obviously. But I was like, I'm so good. I'm so fine. I was like, no, I wasn't. Bitch, please. Come 2019. I'm like, I need you again. Can you come and help? And, and that's what you really did. You, you banned me from everything. You banned me from dating apps. You said like, like I was going on all these little random holidays and you're like, what are you doing? No. Like, this is, this isn't helping. Um, I tried to ban just, you from going out, but that was a big fat fail. Cause yeah, God, no, that yes. But you, what you were doing was trying to get me to slow I was. down. Stop, slow down. And it wasn't until I did that. That's when it really I really felt everything come up. Like it was I honestly remember the moment feeling that you, something changed as you messaged me and you're like, I'm alone and I'm okay with it. Like I'm home by myself and I'm okay. Yes. And I was like, what? And you know what? I think it had I mean, been that's a, a big few deal weeks. For 
oh my God, such a big deal. And that's what I do want to discuss as well, get to, but it, I think it had been a fair few weeks of, you know, Ollie being with his dad and then back with me. And, and then I realized, oh, this has been like a month or two and I haven't even noticed that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's even better than having this real big realization, which is all always wonderful, but just being like, I'm so okay that it wasn't even a, a you know, a big triumph for an, an event. It was just a non-event because you're so okay. So that most was a very time big thing with, for me. It was a huge thing. But most of the time with growth and transformation as well, it's very subtle. And it's sometimes, but very rarely, is it these big, huge aha moments that like, like for me, India was a big, huge aha moment that instantly was transformative. But 98% of my spiritual and personal growth is me just been looking on myself like from, you know, one month prior or a year prior and being like, huh, that's not true anymore. And yes. being kind of surprised by that and being like, oh, wow, like I've changed and that's just not my reality anymore. And then just kind of getting on with life. Yes. Breaking down. We've worked through that so much is breaking down that. Oh God, I've had so many hilarious examples of <laughs> that I've just. I feel like you're the, you're the, um, you know, what's that thing that child the, called? The golden child or whatever it's called. I feel like I'm the exam, like the universe yeah. is just making me an example for everyone else not to make my mistakes. But <laughs> to like, you know, the stories we tell ourselves and the fear we place around certain situations. And then when we actually break that down or, or the universe forces us to confront it. It was a non-event anyway, and it yeah. wasn't even fearful, nothing anyway. Yeah, That's been a really massive thing to me. But also, as we then touched on, and I think it is important for women to hear, is why it is so important to learn to enjoy your own company. Because oh I don't know, we're kind of, I'm now... And always, ladies, and always. In... in <laughs> Trust the Scorpio to be bringing that up. I mean, seriously. Um, <laughs> no, but just learning, you know, for me being nearly 30, being single was never part of the plan now. And I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that who do or don't have kids or, or find themselves single in nature that they never thought they would be. Why do you think, you know, what, what do you, why do you think it is so important to be alone and why is that a big teacher? I mean, we don't want to force ourselves to be alone um, in order to learn the lesson. However, in saying that, we need to be okay with being alone because at the end of the day, the biggest relationship that you're going to have is with yourself. You're, even if you have people around you, um, you, you know, you're born alone and you're going to die alone in terms of the self. Um, we're not talking about people physically being around you. But the moment you are self, I mean, the goal with spirituality for me is um oh my god it's just flipped out of my head but it's like self it's <laughs> self it's god we'll get there yeah we'll get there anyway the goal of spirituality is literally to be okay with being yourself like i said mm. you being the cake to yourself and then the everything else is just the icing on the cake everything external is the icing on the cake if you don't have the ingredients for your cake you've just got this sugary sweet icing which is kind of sickening and it's not that enjoyable so that that is, I think that's what so many of us do is we think of ourselves as the icing and everything else as the self-sufficiency. <laughs> there we go. We got it. I can't even remember oh, what you're saying, to be honest. Neither. But anyway, <laughs> if you were listening, it's self-sufficiency. Oh, the goal of spirituality is self-sufficiency. There we go. We got that. That quotable. Yeah. That, as I said, I feel like the universe sometimes makes me an mm. example to, to then share what I have learned and 
as someone who has been a chronic dater, as you've probably all gathered, and been in chronic relationships, literally this is embarrassing to admit, since I was 13, I would have long-term relationships. Um, being alone, learning to be alone and not even learning to be alone, but learning to enjoy being alone and decipher between the difference between being alone and lonely yeah. has been a massive game changer for me. And I only think now that I have learned that, and you know, it's still, there'll still be times that sometimes it will switch to that lonely feeling, but it's only really now I've learned that, that I really feel more ready to allow someone into my life because before anyone that I would allow into my life and my poor boyfriend after my ex-fiance, you know, it was just my mess still. And I was hoping someone would come in to clean up the mess. But I think the lessons that we can take from experiences like that, yeah, is to learn to be more alone and also it makes you more, and we've discussed this before when we have our ex, our epic Voxer rants, is it gives you the platform to choose someone from a really conscious place then rather than a really unconscious like place, desperation. which is what I've done. Like I need to fill yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And every boyfriend I've ever had is because it's kind of just happened and fallen on my lap, which yeah. is nice, but it's also I'm just, you know, oh, they'll, they've got a cool holiday house. Oh, they're really fun. Oh, they're really good at sport. Oh, they've got lots of friends. See <laughs> <So> your criteria. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've got. That's what I've got on my Bumble app. And I, you know, I'm getting heaps of matches and it's going really well. Uh, you know, but you, you can just fall for people because you, you know, that whole image is being sold to you and you're yeah. not really falling from them for a, from a conscious place of, well, is this actually somebody that, you know, has the ingredients for a long-term relationship. You want to meet someone from a place of not needing them. So like neediness is is the opposite of how you want to try and create a relationship from, because the minute you step into neediness, it's just like, you know, whatever's out there, I'm just going to insert here. I mean, it's not quite like that. It's not what we're consciously thinking, but at an unconscious level, that's kind of what we're doing is we're like first in first served kind of a thing. Whoever shows up at my door next, I'm going to, take them and try and fit them into the square box of what I think it yes. is that I need. Yes. And ignore the, the red flags or the crap oh that we God, don't all like. The red flags. Just ignore it because the other stuff looks so good. And I feel like that's where kind of this dating app culture comes in. And it's funny, I was speaking to one of my girlfriends last night who was single and is just an absolute catch. Like, so beautiful, so smart, so the best personality gets, you know, it's just, she's the best, one of the best people I know. And she's single and she's talking to me, you know, we're bitching about dating apps and she, I could tell it was really, they were getting her down. Mm. They weren't even coming from a place of, oh, it's a bit of fun. If something happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It was actually starting to do her. And I'm like, well, you need to delete the apps right now because if you're, if this is just perpetuating the idea that dating sucks, men suck, and there's no good ones out there, mm-hmm. I guess every time you click on that app to open it up, that just reinforces that story that you've told yourself and then yeah. no one is going to come, I guess. Yeah. Plus neediness. You- if, you need this, if you need this app, now I'm not saying your friend's needy or anybody who uses no, it. No, no. But if your intention as you're using the app is that you need it in order to find somebody because you intrinsically don't believe that you can find someone the old fashioned way, you know, like meeting someone face to face, then instantly you're going to prove exactly what you said. You're going to prove that thought true. Mm, mm. 
Yeah. I do want to go back to the point we were discussing too about then choosing really consciously because Mm -hmm. I feel like whenever I've used dating apps, it feels really unconscious. And because you're literally just judging someone off three picks and what they might, their, what their age might be in their bio. And that, that isn't, you know, I don't think that's really choosing from a very conscious place. Are you, I guess, you know, you were with your ex for how many years was it? 19 years? Well, I think it would have been 20 years this year. Oh my God. Together. But so I think maybe 17 years. So do you feel like then that experience has given you, you know, I, I assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that when you're first together, it probably was from a really unconscious place that you would have been really young and just been like, oh, I like this person. Oh, 100%. I mean, together. we come from a small town, so like the pickings were slim. <laughs> There's not many options. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thankfully I, I feel like I picked pretty well. Um, but it was definitely yes. I mean, all from that unconscious automatic behavior so for me like for he dating him he was very quiet spoken he was very respectful and he was very um like kind he was just everything my dad wasn't so Mm. did I pick him consciously or unconsciously like you know who knows when you're 14 you you don't really make those choices 14 don't really really think about it yeah I think actually maybe I was 15 no well I guess that there's a mixture isn't it because yeah they it's not, it's too black and white to say it's totally unconscious because they're, but I think now the difference is, sorry, you go. No, no, go. I think now the difference is for both of us going through a, a, you know, the ringer, so to speak, is that it makes you then, you know, I think we'd approach dating and meeting people a lot differently now to how we ever would have. Oh, a hundred percent. Like if, and especially at our age. Yeah. Like if I tried to meet someone post you know immediately post marriage when I was even still like quite fresh in my you know spiritual journey I probably would have done what I said I would have done before I would have tried to fill the void with somebody Mm -hmm. of all the things that he didn't do for me you know um yeah and thankfully I didn't do that and I was like no you know I'm going to take this time to really just discover myself I'm on a path of self-discovery and um and figure out what it is that I needed from him and then give that to myself and Mm. just really be whole within myself. And now like, I don't really think too much about what my future partner might look like because I know that as I up level my worthiness and I know what I would and wouldn't, wouldn't, what I would and wouldn't put up with (laughs) and I become more attuned to that subtle layer of energy that you exchange between people. That's not spoken. Like I just don't really, you know, I trust that the universe will give me whatever experiences that I need. And I really trust that the person that will come into my life will be matching my worth, you know, my self-worth and my deserving power. We did discuss this last night and what you said then is so valid, but I think a lot of we women are kind of sold the idea that we are lucky if a good enough man comes along. Yeah. Rather than what you said just then is that you're waiting, you know, not waiting, that's the wrong word. You are, you know, you're just doing your own thing and your energy is so incredible, (laughs) obviously, you know, that it will just happen when it's meant to happen. Whereas I think we are sold this idea that, you know, there are no good men out there and I'm using quotation marks. Yeah. Because that's true. I mean, there's 7 Um, billion people in the world. Like to say that there's no good men out there is... It's such an insult to men, first of all. Absolutely. Because yeah. I've met plenty of amazing men in my life and my ex-husband is one of them. You know, he's just the most 
any woman would be lucky to have him. Oh, but um, you're so sweet. I really I am. Well I, I, I hope it's out the door and can day. hear me. <laughs> it is so nice. But yeah, that's, it's just the biggest fuss, you know. And, and we sold, sold all these ideas, and they just they just keep us they keep us hypnotized as to what we think we should be doing. They keep us at a lower level vibration. Mm, and thinking of what we deserve. So we, we think then when someone good enough comes along, mm-hmm. may not be, you know, I've had that many people that because I was single, I've been single, they've said to me, oh, you know, like I think what you're looking for, that doesn't really exist. And, you know, sometimes the most important thing is that they're just a kind person or, <gasps> you know, we're not going to get everything we want. Sometimes we do. I've literally had somebody say that to me. Sometimes we have to just... You're getting a report on their consciousness more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, it. And I, I instantly get this like bubbling anger in my belly because I know that's so not true. But then deep on a deeper level, I walk away and that starts to sink in and I think, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that is true. Maybe. And we, I think as women then can take, take the next person that we think is, oh, this will do. They're good enough. Yeah. They're kind enough. They're decent enough. Um, they might, they probably won't hurt me like I've been hurt before. So this is where I'll land. Thanks. And now I'm bowing out. Yeah. And I don't think this happens all the time, but you know, I've seen this examples in my life and I could have easily gone down that track as well. And I can see how tempting it is to do that as well. Uh, Because it's easy and we don't want to, we don't want to go through the discomfort of being alone and then trying to figure things out. And all that comes from a lack of trust that everything's going to work out for you. And lack of trust comes from a lack of knowledge of the self, you know, Mm. lack of knowing that you're going to be okay no matter what happens in life. I do want to also discuss is something we had a brainstorm chat the two nights ago. And you brought up the most incredible point that you learned on your retreat, which is this idea of romanticizing passion and relationships. Would you mind sharing your wisdom for the world? It was just really profound for me because this has certainly been something that I thought was important. And it was this idea that passion, you know, basing a relationship of passion. So basically on retreat, I learned that passion is not sustainable. You know, it's so intense, but we like to romanticize that. We think, oh, my relationship is just so passionate and all of this sort of stuff. And we allow that passion to fulfill us. Um, but what I learned on retreat was that passion is not sustainable because it's high energy. It's all consuming. Like you want to think of it like fire and it just burns everything else. And it ultimately it leaves us exhausted because it's not sustainable to maintain that kind of energy all the way through the relationship. Um, and a couple of other things was that that intensity that we love in the beginning, it comes from a place of lack within ourselves, first of all, because it's, it's overwhelming us with these thoughts and feelings that are allowing us to ignore actually like the unhappiness or the unfulfillment that we're experiencing. So we are allowed to forget about it for a little while. And we say things like, Oh, they make me feel so alive, which kind of insinuates that you're feeling a little dead inside. You know, I'm not saying we want to die. I'm just saying we feel a little, a little numb on the inside. And so this person is making you feel things, but eventually that intensity flicks 
at some point and it might not be right away and it might not even be for a couple of years but eventually it will shift to becoming overwhelming because suddenly you're starting to shift yourself it's it's kind of an unhealthy marker in a relationship because you're starting to shift yourself because you don't want to be confronted with the intensity of the other half's um, you know, the other person in the relationships, emotions, you know, you don't want to tell them you're doing something because they feel so intensely and passionately about something. It's going to upset them and disrupt this illusion and this fantasy that you've created for yourself about what your relationship means. Um, and so what we should be looking for, like passion should be something that we build. Of course you want to have chemistry. That's a no brainer, but passion appeals to the physical side of ourselves. And if, all we are um, in, in context of relationship. And if our relationship is purely built on physical, you know, there's so many other aspects of ourself and our relationship that are being ignored or not nurtured or are not in balance and in harmony. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's unhealthy in a relationship. So what we should be seeking for is someone who feels like home, but, you know, in our minds and how we romanticize passion and love and, and all of that sort of stuff, a sense of home is kind of boring and safe and comfortable, but everything else comes later. You know, the passion comes later. And I'm not saying settle for someone kind just because they're kind or settling. It's not about that. Home is a sense of yourself outside of yourself. And then we, you know, if you're a passionate person, that's going to be a no brainer. If you're passionate in the bedroom, if you're passionate about your work, you don't need somebody else to make you feel like that. So anyway, yeah. I, I thought that was really profound because I always thought passion was like out there, not something that was me as a woman. Yeah. I think that's really important because as women, we do also get sold that idea that that has mm-hmm. to come from elsewhere because women can't possibly be sexual, evolved beings who know what they want and know how to get it as well we always have and passion is overly emotional yeah yeah exactly or at all the or it's only cool it's if it's the passion that a man likes as well like i think we try so hard to be the cool girl that likes the things that the man does at the start yeah as well even yeah I also think it's important to add that, you know, the fact that we're both single moms now really changes perspective with dating too because it means that, you know, you don't just let anybody in that you want to, you know, it's we're in, you know, my my son is, my you know, is with me forever and my, the absolute love of my life and same goes with you, that anybody that comes in has to be really you know, worthy of entering that fold, I guess, as well. So it really Mm -hmm. changes the goalposts again as well. If there was someone, you know, if there's someone out there listening who is, you know, wanting to find someone and is wanting to meet someone, is do you suggest, you know, journaling on that or writing out, writing out, I guess, all the traits that they'd be wanting in someone? Is something like that useful? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not unuseful, but the traits that you desire are really a reflection of your state of consciousness at that point in time, what you think you need at that point in time. What would be really helpful if someone's trying to call a partner in is, I mean, this is just for me, is more reflection reflection and contemplation about past relationships, what you liked and what you didn't like and what that means about you as a person, you know. For example, if you liked your sexual relationship with somebody and it was intense and, and passionate and really connected and blah, 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 but you didn't like all the other parts of yourself of that, 
you could explore how each of those sides of the coin made you feel in the context of yourself. So, I mean, that's what I would do is always bring it back to yourself, never about the other person or what you're trying to what you're trying to call into your life. So even if you're writing traits down, getting a little bit deeper and saying, why, what does this mean in the Mm. big picture of my life? If they're good looking, I mean, you're going to think somebody is attractive anyway, outside of their physical looks. If you're really outwardly good looking. Yeah, you're right. And that's it. (laughs) Makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely good looking if I can score a good looking guy or I'm definitely not good looking if he's not as good, you know, it's yeah. Or wanting someone that's really rich and wealthy as well, I guess, because you think you can't take care of that could because yeah, you can't take care of yourself or because mm-hmm. you're used to insecurity and um, unstable financial situations in your life. Like it's all about yourself. But when you can give these things to yourself on some level, even if it's just emotionally, you know, like then it starts to become a little more clearer about the kind of person. So I would always say whenever you're trying to call someone in, just think about yourself reflect and contemplate on yourself first and foremost and what you're putting out to the world as well I guess that that mirror of what yeah what's happening internally then goes outward as well I would think as well yeah well as you start to become as you start to know yourself and know what you want then when fuck boys come along you're like just <laughs> no next place <laughs> boy bye bye <laughs> speaking of boy bye I reckon that is all we've got time for today for the first episode of The Juice with Moni Barry. And Ooh. I absolutely loved chatting with you as I always, 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 I always do. Love talking to That's, you as well. Oh, I don't know. That's why I never leave you alone. So <laughs> you're like, I have a life. You're not my only client. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> um, I hope so you're needy. <laughs> leave me alone. I've got a life. Um, that is, yeah. So I loved it. I hope someone, I hope anyone listening out here, they got something out of this because I know I certainly did. And I always, you know, uh, my chats with you always illuminate something in myself that I haven't considered or thought of or something I want to work on myself. So I hope that's done that for a whole lot of other people. Mm. Um, we'll be back doing this again in four weeks time um, with a new kind of topic or new things that we want to talk about every time. So get super pumped because um, they're going to be really good. Literally, think, jog on spot, do star jumps. <laughs> Get really excited. Hi, Tony Robinson. <laughs> well, thank you, my darling girl. And um, I'll be blowing up your phone soon with my next exist- existential crisis. Probably. <laughs> love you, <laughs> love you. you, love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I hope you really liked the first episode of The Juice with Moni Barry. As I said, we'll be doing this every four weeks. So we'll have new topics that we'll be discussing. And if you've got any input into that, if there's things that you'd really like to hear us chat about, do just um, hit either of us up on Instagram. You can find Moni at Monique Barry underscore. And you can find me at Elizabeth O'Neill. Otherwise, I'll be in your earphones again on Thursday with a midweek squeeze episode and then another interview chat the following Monday. Thank you so much, guys. We'll chat soon. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 